Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I'm Edward Schuler, joined as always by Salim to the Wild Salim. How you doing today? Hey, Ed, I'm I'm doing great. It's a kind of a gloomy Sunday morning uh, around here, but getting over a cold, uh, getting over the bruises by the Bulls. <laughs> uh, it took in a lot of like the end of the season presser, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, doing well overall and, and looking forward to the rest of these playoffs and seeing what the Bulls can do in the offseason. Yeah, we uh we have to look forward to the to the offseason after a four one series loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think most of us expected this, though we still wish there were a little bit more uh competitive games than we got. Uh the last few games were uh Last three games were pretty bad. So, uh, <laughs> especially without yeah. Zach, without Caruso in game five. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we all knew where this was headed, but, uh, we still got a bunch to get into, like you mentioned, with the exit interviews and our observations from that. We're going to talk next steps in the off seasons and, uh, how the Bulls can improve. A lot of talk about how they can improve around the margins and, uh, we'll see if, you know, whatever uh, moves they have going on. But uh, joining us today to wrap everything up from the Bulls season, talk the playoffs and talk the offseason. He's an executive producer for 670 to score on the Dan Bernstein show. And he also does Bulls radio uh, post game. Also a contributor for 444 football. Rick Camp. Rick, thank you for joining us again, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, Rick, appreciate you. We had uh, fun having you on last time. Um, things were looking a little more I think brighter. Yeah. Uh, it was er- very early in the season when we had you on at uh, that last time, and like I said, it was it was looking a little better at that point. Not not that it it was terrible for the rest of the most terrible in the rest of the season. They still made the playoffs, but definitely didn't finish like we wanted it to. Yeah, it was a frustrating end of the year, and I know one thing that I did right after the the season ended was look at kind of their splits a little bit of the. 2021 portion of the season right new year's day up through the all-star break and then all-star break through the end of the season and it's just kind of wild to like look at how different the team was and just you know really a lot of what we wondered about early on of boy they were able to make all these changes and get it all to work well when literally not everything is going right then that house of cards really started to tumble. And that's kind of where we are now is trying to figure out how do you, how do you reinforce that house of cards a little bit to be able to withstand, you know, any sort of anything that could happen to this team. Yeah. I think that's what's, even though this season ended on a real low note, I think that's what's encouraging is that we did see their vision 
come to light successfully. We saw them playing really, really well when they had everyone in the lineup. Everything looked smooth. You saw how this team could play really well, and they were. And is that repeatable? I, I think so, but you still need some changes around that. And the Milwaukee season kind of showed where this team was lacking in terms of outside shooting. They didn't really have much of it. Guys like, you know, Kobe didn't Kobe didn't really help much. He's supposed to be a big part of what they do perimeter shooting wise. But, you know, Kobe bricking so much, not having Lonzo Ball, who was also a high volume guy. Caruso shooting fell off when he came back. And then outside of that, you just didn't really have much in terms of it. Like guys like uh, uh, Patrick Williams showed a little bit, but still kind of a, a work in development in terms of that. And it's just kind of it's a big spot that they're missing. So what what was it that you took away from watching this playoff series, Rick? Uh, that the Bulls are still far away. Mm-hmm. They're they're kind of about what I expected them to be in the playoffs. Of if they got into a playoff series, it would be a one and done and be done pretty quickly. Just because they, as much as we like to talk about the margins when it comes to winning these playoff series, you need the top end talent mm-hmm. and. DeMar DeRozan had a really good year, but Zach and Zach Levine is really good and he's going to get a big boy contract this offseason. However, the Bulls don't have a number one. Mm-hmm. They straight up do not have a number one. And that really hurts them when you're trying to beat these teams that are really, really good, especially in the Eastern Conference. And considering the East is probably only going to get better in this next offseason. So it's it's one of those things where it there were encouraging signs. And we did see the vision. However, I do also think, and I'm sure we'll get to it from the uh, postseason presser, where I also kind of believe that some of the vision is flawed, at least with this current iteration of this team. And, you know, for me, like the main guy that I think of with that is Lonzo. Mm. Like, I love watching Lonzo play, but I mean, in three seasons, when it's been an 82 game season, he has played no more than 52 games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how can and then, but so then to say, yeah, but if Lonzo just stays healthy, well, Lonzo doesn't stay healthy. Right. Like, so it's basically like, well, yeah, if this, if this anomaly happens, then sure. So it's, it's one of those where, where they're encouraging signs. Absolutely. Do you see kind of stylistically what they want to do? Sure. Mm-hmm. But is there still a lot of room to have to, to move and and do all this and do a lot when you the goal next year is at least win a playoff series if not more when demar gets a year older and vooch gets a year older yeah there's a lot of room there's still plenty of room to improve let me let me ask you this real quick uh because a lot of what i saw just kind of scrolling through twitter during the games was about how many guys the bulls have on this team who could be rotation players for any playoff team in the NBA. And I, I think obviously, you know, guys like DeRozan, Zach, Vooch uh, are easy ones. Caruso impacted the game huge defensively. So, you know, he's one is a just a high level two way player. You would think Lonzo Ball is two if healthy. But as you said, we don't really know what that is. Do you think this team simply just lacks a lot of like playoff rotation guys, or do you think it's a function of the fact that they don't have that number one? Because when I looked at Milwaukee, right. And 
you see what they're doing. Obviously, with Giannis, Middleton, Drew as their top three, but guys like Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen were playing really, really well. And I feel like Portis and Allen, while you know they look solid in Milwaukee, I'm not sure that they would do that same thing on lesser teams. So I kind of think it's just a function of, hey, you have this really, really good team, so it allows certain players to play within their role and be stars and not have to overextend their capabilities. So it to, do you from watching this series, did you think it was not just a lack of having a number one, but also a lack of they just don't have the right guys too? So I think that one of the big things is the Bucks big three, mm. all three of them two-way players Mm. so that allows them to have the more flawed guys that are maybe higher end at one end of the court or the other Mm. have them be the role players with the bulls if you say they're three top players how many of them would you consider two-way players maybe half maybe if you're being generous you say zach levine i i generally wouldn't i still think he makes too many mistakes defensively to be considered a true two-way player So that means they have to lock into huge minutes, guys that are one-way players, to make up for what they're doing. And it's really tough to find a two-way player that is really good that's a role guy. Mm. You need the two-way players to be some of your best players because they're going to be playing the most minutes. And that's where one of the flaws with this roster is, is just DeRozan's never going to be good defensively. Vooch can be okay in a decent construction of a defense. And we saw that early in the year when the point of attack defense was really, really good. If all he's asked to do is be where he's supposed to be, he can be a function. He can be a part of a good defense. But the second that point of attack defense goes down, then that then his he gets exposed in space. And with Levine, he has his flashes, but there's definitely too many moments where he loses focus or he's just much better on the ball than he is off the ball but on this team he's going to be off the ball more often than not because you don't really want him having all that responsibility on both sides so it's really it starts with those stars and then it filters down to what type of role players you need to fit around those guys and for Milwaukee when you have three two-way dudes you can have Bobby Porter who's much more of an offensive player but has at least gotten mildly respectable defensively Mm. or Grayson Allen who can do his thing you know, kind of spacing the floor and just kind of being fine on both ends of the court, not being great on either. Or, you know, like anybody else you want to throw into their rotation allows Brooke Lopez to be Brooke Lopez and, and do what he does. So it does all start with those stars. And maybe if everybody got slotted down a spot, and mind you, that's wishful thinking, especially mm-hmm. money-wise for paying the tax. And I don't know how the Bulls find that, find that dude. So I get them kind of being like, listen, this is our core. We got to work around it pretty much and try and do the best we can until opportunity presents itself. So that's kind of the basis of where it's at is it still is all trickle down in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that was, Oh no, no, I was just saying, yeah, definitely agree that, you know, I think it's a mixture too. So I agree with Rick, like not having that number one, the guy that uh, especially your top two guys that are not two way players, a guy that can be like a Giannis or look around the league, even with a guy like Luca, who's not necessarily a two-way player, but he can 
he can elevate his game to a certain extent to cover up for other parts of your team. Um, Jokic is another guy who got, who's gotten a lot better defensively, but he's still probably not someone that is a rim protector or, you know, in, in a sense, he's probably like similar to Vooch, maybe a little better just because he has a, a little better, uh, he's, He's a little, probably a little tougher inside, uh, inside as far as defending other bigs, but still, as far as a rim protector is concerned, he's not that. But again, his his game overall is so strong that he helps makes up for a lot of mistakes that his teammates make. Bulls don't really have that, so they they have they have a so I guess if you look at Demar and Zach, they're like tier two guys, mm. uh, in in a sense. So. That that I agree with. They don't have that you know, that flat out number one guy, but at the same time, when I'm watching the series, and people you know look and say, "Oh, look, we got defrozen again. We got defrozen in the playoffs. Uh, he didn't do anything." Um, I look at the playoffs. I'm like, "Look, man, when you watch the film again, the way that the, the Bucks defended Demar, it was essentially have." If he was going one on one, there was two guys waiting to defend him, and especially in that mid range area, like around that, like that mm-hmm. radius, that that the, the, mm-hmm. where he likes to do his work, th- there was three, two, three guys constantly on him, and essentially it was, look, we're not gonna let you get your shot off. We're gonna make all the shooters, and sh- when I say shooters for the Bulls, I say that very like you know. Um, like in a sense that yeah, it's a relative term. Like you know, I'm being very nice as far as calling any of these guys shooters. Uh, outside of Kobe, who's very inconsistent, um, Zach, unfortunately, with his knee, probably wasn't you know able to get as much lift on his shot. And again, that's a frustrating part too because Zach, as your one of your primary scorers, shouldn't have to become a shooter. He should be. He should be surrounded by shooters. But like I said, yeah, you know, you, you're, you're kicking it out to guys like Javante Green, uh, DJJ, uh, Troy Brown Jr. whenever he got an opportunity to play. And those guys, you know, they they bricked everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I see the mixture. Like, I feel like if you had certain pieces, like one or two guys off that bench, you can really rely on. And I owe another one who can, who, like, no, no fault to I owe, just a rookie kind of, Maybe, you know, it's a kind of a deer in the headlights type of situation for him because he's just never experienced that type of, um, like, level of play. I mean, obviously, he has in college, but this is against the defending champs and on the high stage of his career. I understand why he looked maybe, you know, out like, not want to say shook, but just, you know, just kind of inexperienced moments for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so outside of that, you know, you really have anyone that could take the pressure off of DeMar, make the Bucks change up their defensive approach. And then you also didn't ha- have a hundred percent Zach. Like you, we've seen where it's mentioned. He's like 50% with his knee, which really affects who he is. It, it makes, I, I, in a previous episode, I mentioned, you know, when Zach is on top of his game earlier this season, he looked like an all NBA caliber guard and then after that knee started acting up he essentially at times looked like maybe a borderline all-star if that so i think like i said yeah i, I don't disagree and uh, long long ramble short here that i don't disagree with you rick that yeah we don't have that number one 
but it's it's hard to even for those tier two guys to do a lot when you're just basically relying on like three only three really players you can rely on the roster to produce at any level at, at produce really anything consistently and no one else can really come up and step up mm-hmm. at all so right. like i said it's it's a mixture and I, I definitely think if the bulls had even just the marginal moves that were better i think you probably see a little at least a more of a competitive series than we ended up seeing i i guess but the thing is you bring in more shooters probably going to be one-way guys your defense gets even worse on on the second unit maybe the offense is a little bit better but the defense is even worse and part of the thing with DeRozan you know what he could do when they're loading up at at the mid-range shoot a three put more effort into being better at shooting the three ball he it's like consistent throughout his career two months of the season where DeMar DeRozan attempts the most threes are the if you want to combine October and November since October is a partial month and in February those are the two months of the year where there's a little bit of time off going into the month more time for you know coaching staff and front office to be like hey we really like you to try and take more threes it'll help out everybody but mm-hmm. he doesn't he may he might do it for a couple game stretch or a week stretch or something like that but he doesn't and that's part of what makes him a tier two player or tier three player even, and not a tier one player is because he can't shoot the three. Nobody respects the three and he's not good defensively. So that's part of my issue with him and why I was hesitant on the move when they first made it last off season. Obviously it's turned out much better than I ever expected it to be, but yeah, they do need more shooting in their second unit. A hundred percent. And you know, Billy Donovan tried to do what he could in terms of staggering guys, but you know, when Patrick Williams was out for most of the year and that those were just the guys they filled the roster with. Yeah, you need you need people. Yeah. You absolutely need a more balanced second unit. But the part of the reason, like the thing is, they put so much into that first unit that then you're going to be lacking in the second unit. So they could have had mm-hmm. maybe a guy like Larry Nance instead of, you know, getting that Portland pick and Derek Jones Jr. or something like that. Larry Nance isn't a great shooter, but he's at least a really smart player that can work around what he can't do and has a more diverse skill set. Like Javante and, and Derek Jones Jr. basically the same style of guy, just slightly different shapes to do it. Right. So, so. It, so that is one of those things where, yeah, th- do they need shooting? Of course. I mean, DeMar DeRozan had, had seven assists on 27 potential assists in game five. However, yeah. You get one extra shooter, you get maybe two extra shooters and improves your second unit a little bit. Great. Those guys are playing 15 minutes in the playoffs. And at best, you're losing 4-2 to Milwaukee instead of 4-1. And you look at the landscape of the East, who's really getting worse next year, you know? So yeah. really, where do the bull, where are the Bulls truly improving to? So from what both of you guys are saying, and I think Rick is making a great point here is that because of the fact that the Bulls top three players are both are all one way guys, the really the only way to raise this team's ceiling is by having two way players basically surrounding them and not just like, you know, run of the mill two way guys, but more Caruso's more healthy Lonzo ball level two way players and doing that with less money now is (laughs) basically gonna be tough and then you have this draft pick too so i think and then i would add to it that the other way is that patrick williams 
suddenly breaks out, then I think that's a game changer. But we don't know the likelihood of that, too. So a, a lot of this team's chances of becoming a contender do seem to hinge on the quality of the supporting cast being able to make up for what the top three guys lack in terms of uh, defensive ability. So it, it, it's going to be really tough. So I, I guess I would transition into this then. Um, going into the offseason with such a big decision to make on Zach Levine, I think a lot of people, I think most Bulls fans right now are you know, saying, hey, you have to give him his contract. He's uh, what, 25, 26, 26 years old. Really good, as Salim says, when he's healthy, looks like an all NBA guard. You, you you can't really replace what Zach Levine brings to this team at all. <laughs> so, to you, Rick, is it still like given what's happened with the knees, the structure of this team, and uh, you know what this this big boy contract, as you said, going forward, it's going to be a really really big investment in the Zach Levine. How good do you feel about this contract that the Bulls are likely going to have to give him in relation to how they can build this team going forward? It's not perfect, but I mean, Zach Levine's done just about everything he can to earn that contract mm -hmm. in terms of playing through injury, in terms of adding to his skill set over his time with the Bulls. So he definitely deserves it. And you have to give it to him. Yeah. Like there's there's no two ways about it. Like, just looking at it as a leverage play, like, you have to give him the max. Like, because if you don't give him the max, someone else is giving him the max. And I'm sure he would much rather re-sign with the Bulls than go to any of the teams that have the cap space right now because they're just teams that aren't very good this year. Or there's another team that comes in for, like, a sign-and-trade type deal. Mm -hmm. It sure seems like every indication is Zach wants to stay. So you essentially try and kick the can down the road a little bit and say, okay, we've got this guy locked in. So if he, even in the future thoughts of this team is a number two or something like that, well, number twos get paid. Number twos get paid as well. So him being on a max, it could it blow up in their faces and, and the knee ends up being awful and it's just always a thing. Absolutely. But the thing is they pretty much locked themselves into a max deal. The second they traded for Vooch. That's yeah. pretty much what they did. So you have to take that risk right now because there's no, he's the best free agent on the market this year. There's no easy way to improve this team. And they pretty much locked themselves into having to pay the tax either this year or next year, which is fine by me. Mm. But it's just a matter of trying to be realistic by you know ownership standards of how willing are they to pay the tax and at what level are they willing to pay the tax to get this team over the hump from being a team that can probably get into the top eight consistently to a team that can maybe at some point get to an Eastern conference finals. Yeah. hundred percent. I think when, when it's Zach, it comes to the max, it's like, you also don't want to garner a bad relationship with like clutch sports. That's uh, the, and not even mm. just clutch sports, just anybody looking out. Yeah. Like, this guy did everything he could to earn that contract. And then they, and then they just like turn the, their backs on him, whether that's, a fair assessment or not that's how it would be perceived and all the yeah. goodwill that the bulls have built up mm -hmm. since this new regime has come in would go 100 percent out the window that's a great point and, and 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 not only with with this regime it'll be like because historically the bulls have that rep right where they always are kind of screwing over their 
uh, star players, one way or another, like if, mm. if, it, if it's justified or if it's not justified. That reputation exists, and people keep remembering that with the Bulls. Like I mean, you know, obviously with the Jordan years, yeah. <laughs> uh, with Scotty, they were fighting, um, and then um, various different things happen. Obviously, like there is with uh, uh, Derek, where they had fighting, not with necessarily with this contract, but various issues with him. Like again, like I said, whether it's justified or not, pe- people don't really look at those nuances. They just remember that hey, they fought with their star. And then Jimmy, who wanted to stay here, had no reason why he wanted to leave. You know, you trade him away, and and then like his uh, his agent calls like essentially Gar Foreman a a mobster or whatever uh, type uh, type of uh, like uh, the way he approaches this and his deals and things like that. And then again, you come up to this situation, and Zach again, we we all see him. Like these quotes that he's giving are very scripted clutch sports co- quotes when you're heading into free agency. It's basically, look, I'm, I, I want a max deal. I'm going to make it sound like you guys at, at this point where I just want to make sure I get my respect. That's all it's about. It's not about him saying, yeah, I'm actually considering leaving. It's just like, look, if you guys, I'm worth that five-year max, give me the five-year max. So like I said, yeah, when you consider all those different things, you just don't want to have that reputation persist that it just turns into a situation on the line again when a, a, a big name potentially becomes av- available. And he's like, you know what? I'm crashing Chicago off my list because, you know, I just don't think they're a serious franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point because, like you guys have said, they have worked really hard to get more respect and to become more player friendly, especially with this new regime. And, as far as I'm concerned, getting Zach Levine to Mac should be a thing that you're going to do on day one of free agency. Like it really shouldn't take much pause. So uh, hopefully they get that done. So, I I mean, I feel good about that going forward. And I think that ties into this because when AK was doing his, uh, was at the uh, podium and talking at the end of season presser, he said this, he said, I hope for continuity because we're competing against teams that have been together for three to five years. Results come when you keep the same group longer. We'll figure out what additions we need, shooting, defense, size, athleticism. We'll sit down and figure that out. So we've already talked about the realities and issues that this team is facing, building around Zach, DeMar, and Vooch as one-way guys and needing some more 3 and D potential. But unlike last offseason, they're not going – they don't have as much flexibility with the roster with so many kind of like newer contracts and trying to keep this team together. So – uh. With a first-round pick this year, and then I think they also have the taxpayers' mid-level exception. Don't have the biannual uh, because of the Tristan Thompson deal, so kind of limited on that. So, uh, Rick, like, what do you think this team ultimately – like, what players are, do you think this team ultimately can target in the offseason that – can make sense with kind of like the limited margins this, or you know with the limited resources this team is going to have to improve this season and having to really hit big on smaller deals this time around yeah it's going to be interesting because now mind you i'm not the best with all the cat minutiae in the world mm. but i do think there's a way where they could feasibly stay under the tax to the point where they could use that full mle if they're able to do that, 
then maybe someone, and mind you, he's getting a little long in the tooth at this point and maybe relying a bit on reputation, but that kind of brings what helps bring his value down to the Bulls level would be a guy like maybe Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. So if the Bulls wanted to maybe play small at some point too, he's maybe not the perfect small ball five, but if you put him in a, in a front court with Patrick Williams and then you have, you know, he's a guy who's a solid weak side rim protector, you'd maybe like someone that's a little bit that is bigger that can also defend on ball because I think Patrick Williams is best off ball. I, I actually think his, his on ball defense is a bit overrated. Like it's, it's maybe average at this point in terms yeah, of, on, in terms of on ball defense His off ball defense is pretty solid. So if you can keep him off even, ball and not even, have, yeah, sorry, sorry not to cut you off. So even that, like, I think he's inconsistent off ball. Like you, you show flashes of him, like, I get, his biggest highlights are definitely off ball, like his crazy blocks and he comes in and makes, but he also sometimes misses rotations here and mm-hmm. there. Yeah, absolutely. So if you can bring in someone else that can just another body to guard big, big wings, that's maybe taller than six foot four, like that'd be nice. I don't quite know who that guy is, but I mean, that's the problem is you need both sides of the ball right now. You need shooting. You also need someone that can guard on ball a decent amount. And considering their limited resources, it's kind of tough to see how they're able to plug every hole that they have. Or even if it's like, well, we got this guy who's a good defender and this guy who's a good shooter. It's like, how many people are going to be in your rotation and how many of these guys are playing and what are your rotations going to look like? And the combo of, well, we've got this defender, this defender, like star, star, shooter shooter defender or star star defender defender shooter like how is this team going to be filled out in that regard because especially once you get to the playoffs like we've seen these rotations get cut unless you're memphis apparently these rotations get cut down pretty quick to like seven eight nine dudes maybe so you really have to be able to have a, a top heavy roster at least to a certain extent where it's like for the regular season, it's cool if guys like 10 through 12 can kind of play a little bit and give you some solid minutes. That helps raise your floor as a regular season team. But once you get to the playoffs, those guys aren't even in your rotation and they literally do not matter. So any advantage you have is negated. So you have to prioritize getting those top dudes ready. But then for the Bulls, again, it's the catch 22 of maybe depth shouldn't be quite as much of the concern when you're thinking about a playoff team. But when you have Zach Levine with his knee, when you have Lonzo with his stuff, like you need that depth for the regular season. So it's, what are you prioritizing? And it's, it's such a tough thing to figure out for this front office, but to be fair, it's kind of the bag that they put themselves in. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I was thinking like the moment, like you kind of have to cross your fingers that there's for one reason or another, Dame decides that he wants to stay and the Portland, decides that they want to make one more run or whatever. Because the moment that happens, like, you can trade the pick right away (laughs) for something (laughs) potentially that can help you right now. Because let's say if, like, I know there was that rumor where they were interested in in getting Jeremy Grant. Now, if they can land Jeremy Grant, if he's healthy, I think that could potentially make the Blazers into a playoff team next season. You know, right away, that to me, the AK would have to jump on moving that pick. Um, and another another player on the roster, I mean, that kind of you go into next season and into this offseason is Kobe White. Like, 
I, for me, at this point, it's almost a sunk cost situation. Like, I don't think, and especially with roster fit, like, do I think Kobe could eventually still become a, a solid rotation player? I think he's shown it. Like, we've seen him in spurts, uh, especially this season. Like, you saw from, like, January 1st to, like, about the end of February, where you were legitimately saying, man, we won games because if it wasn't for Kobe, we wouldn't have won this game. He was huge in this game. He was huge in this game or whatever, whatever have you. Um, like I said, I think there's still there's still room for him to become that player. But I just think it's not going to happen here anymore, especially with all the backcourt guards that there are on this team and him needing to be a guy. He need, him needing to be in a situation, like I said, where he needs to get those consistent minutes. Um, I would look to like, See what you can get. If you can get a late first rounder for him, and then maybe you can combine that with our pick. I know there would probably have to be like uh, an agreement, like you have to make a, like a, a deal in in advance. Where because I don't think you can trade the pick on draft day straight up. It would have to be like we agree to trade this. Like we'll draft this guy for you, and then we'll trade him to you later after. Yeah, it's it's like one of the like yeah, it's like one of those mm-hmm. trades you would hear about on draft night, but it wouldn't actually be executed until the new league year. Yeah, yeah, and maybe like I said, maybe you can get something uh, more viable. Like I've he... been, I've I've been kind of hoping for like a Kyle Kuzma type of player or Kyle Kuzma himself. I don't know if like Kobe and a pick gets it done. Um, but he... yeah, that's something that I would I think AK has to explore. Like he has to explore. I know you said continuity for like the top guys, but he has to explore doing stuff like that. I think. See, I, I with, with Kobe, like he, he's so streaky and up and down, but it's just like entering the final year of his deal. I don't know if he really has that much value in in trade discussions. Like he has one year left on his deal. He's he's been up and down. Like he's kind of a. He's kind of more so of a specialist at this point. We saw signs of improving defense when he was rolling, or at least improving team defense. But I, I feel like that playoff performance from him really kind of left a bad taste in people's mouths. So it's just kind of I, like there's still some potential there. Like I agree with Salim. I think I think Kobe can be a pretty solid like sixth or seventh guy or a guy that you just put out on the floor to hit some shots, but. I don't know, like I like we we're talking about trading him, and you know people want him out, but it's just what what realistically would you get for him right now? Like, would it? I, I'm not even sure a team would give you a first round pick. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah that makes like sense. a second round pick. It's not, yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily individual. It's kind of like Wendell, like Wendell's value was at, at its lowest, and yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. The 18th pick is a solid value. I mean, in this draft, there's some guys. I think. I mean, I don't know if this draft is necessarily considered deep, but Generally, the 18th pick is not a bad pick. So if you can combine that with Kobe, maybe that's something where you can go mm-hmm. ahead and get somebody that can, I mean, and not only necessarily be a, 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 this a bench player, but someone just in general that can come in and have a nice, like maybe not a high-end role player, but a, more so like a guy that's probably could be a fifth best starter, but is generally coming off your bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, yeah, that's that's probably all you can hope for at that point. Or if you wanted to do Kobe straight up, maybe it's for another guy like Kobe that shows some potential, but it may be more of a wing. 
that's essentially a second like and you hear the term second draft guy right maybe that's kind of what you're looking at as a second draft wing that maybe is a guy that's either got the good shot or is good defensively and you just hope still has a little bit of potential on the other side yeah yeah or maybe maybe you can steal Gary Payton Jr. from the Warriors isn't he like a free agent? I can't remember. I think so. So, what are we like? Is, <laughs> do you so is this team more so looking for? I, I think we already know that they need a better backup to Vooch, preferably someone with a stronger defensive impact. I think we hoped for Tristan Thompson to be a little better, but that didn't really quite work. So, I think that's probably a priority. And then you probably need someone who can someone with a little bit more size at the four, to someone maybe like six, eight, six, nine who can hit a three and isn't you know, going to kill you defensively too. And then um, maybe if you do keep the draft pick, maybe that is someone who's kind of more like can play different perimeter spots, can play three, maybe four, two. I don't know. But is that kind of what we're looking at as far as what this team needs in the offseason? Yeah, shooting and size. Shooting, size, defense, like really like all the three main things people want that all teams want. Shooting, size, and defensive ability. And maybe a guy that can at least – It'd be a short-term thing just because of age, and who knows if he wants to leave L.A. at this point, but Nick Batum is a guy that would make some sense. He's a guy that can shoot. He's a guy that doesn't need to be high usage, pretty low usage, taller dude. So I would think he probably ends up wanting to stay and finally, in theory, play a season with Kawhi and Paul George. You know, that would be something that I think he would probably prefer over coming to the Bulls, but who knows what the Bulls offer monetarily that could maybe get him there as like a stopgap one year guy that can fill that role because he's adequate defensively. He can shoot the ball well enough. And uh, the big downside for him is age, age and injury history. So maybe that's the type of thing where the, you know, the thing you're willing to deal with is, you know, a little bit of uh, risk on injury history, hoping he has a good year in terms of staying healthy. And that's a type of guy that maybe on a one year deal, maybe a two year deal you can bring in, and he can at least provide that until you can find some other option, just because this team, for as much as they talk about being young, they've got some old in there, too. And yeah. especially when two of your three best players are in their 30s, like that's one of the things where you kind of have to prioritize people that can help you right now. Oddly enough, uh, you know who would be a decent fit is Otto Porter. On a one-year deal, like maybe five. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> Ironically, he would be a D six yeah. eight six nine. Can play three. Can play a little four. I mean, I mean, I think he's probably more of a four. Yeah. I don't know how much of a three. Yeah, is, so he's, could play. He's he's just slower, I think. You know, yeah. uh, he still kind of moves like an old man. Yeah, but look, look pretty solid for Golden State. But again, that's Golden State. But ironically, would be a decent fit if we could get him like on a one-year deal for cheap. But I, I like the. Uh, I like the Covington call low, uh, earlier. I do like the platoon call too. So those seem like pretty good fits. Thad is another guy. I wonder if he would be willing to come back. Um, and he didn't. He kind of like it was kind of a weird thing where he mentions like he was surprised and blindsided by the trade. Uh, that's something AK needs to improve on. Like, there's two players that have been kind of saying like they were blindsided by the move. You had Tomas saying it, and people kind of shrugged off Tomas saying it, but. Then you heard Thad say the same thing. Like, oh, well, you know, if you want to be a guy that's good with relationships. And mm-hmm. I guess that's where Mark Everson kind of comes into play, where he's probably better with relationships than AK is. But 
Yeah, you know? as if he's here after this offseason. Yeah, because he's in yeah, the rumor for the Portland was... job, right? Rumored, and yeah, it, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, that, that that kind of died down, but like maybe that something pops up again in, in uh, the offseason when some teams decide to fire their uh, front office. He would be a good kid. I mean, who would... Like theoretically, who would step up within the organization to replace? I would guess it'd be an internal candidate, but I don't know who their number three is. Is it? It's not is Polk, it, right? Uh, is it Polk or who? Who is the person that uh, came from uh, Denver? To uh, the other person, Connolly. Connolly, yeah, maybe maybe they promote him to GM. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Possible. I mean, I know uh, from talking with people in Portland, they. They expect Joe Cronin to get the interim tag. Uh, that's the, mo- the most likely thing to happen in Portland where uh, Eversley seems to be the number one outside of house candidate is that they expect Joe Cronin to get the interim tag removed and he just gets the GM job, which would obviously take that one off of the table. Now, maybe something like Charlotte where they're looking to replace Mitch Kupchak, which, by the way, everybody kind of forgot that Mitch Kupchak was actually still running a team in the NBA. (laughs) Uh, So maybe he ends up going down to Charlotte. That could be a possibility. I think it's kind of interesting that they that they fired uh, James Borrego when, in theory, they don't have a GM in place. So that that seems a little odd. But, right. You know, whatever that ends up being. So that's maybe the other possibility, at least as of now. So. It, you have to think about maybe a post-Mark Eversley life, but also it seems like things might be lining up to where you get at least one more year with him. Yeah, that Charlotte would be actually kind of a, a, a scary if they called, just because they have some really nice players. They have something developing there, and I think they have all their picks. So, like, yeah. that's 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 kind of like a, a, a new GM's like dream situation in a sense. That would be, I think. Yeah, I mean, so. also, also good for the Bulls that they actually have, like, you know, a front office guy that other teams want, like a GM that other teams want. Yeah. That's covered. <laughs> so, I mean, that's good for them. Like, what they're they're gaining a positive. They they have developed a positive rep around the league after for a few years where it didn't feel like it was there. So, I mean, Eversley, his stock has seen his his stock. I feel like has been on the rise for a while now, even going back to like when he was in Toronto. Like he's he's had like a really interesting journey going back to uh, his Nike connections. And he was a big part of uh, DeRozan coming to Chicago from, you know, how that story uh, was laid out with him. Uh, like he flew out to LA, right. To meet DeRozan. So right, uh, yeah, right. He was, met him for like two hours, two, three hours. Yeah. So he was really instrumental in that. So, I mean, good for the Bulls. If Eversley gets a, you know, gets a, you know, promotion with another team. Hey, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, at least in a sense that other if if they go externally to get a GM from another team that's maybe an assistant GM or something, yeah, that bodes well too. It's like, hey, look, I can if I go here, I could have a potential opportunity to get promoted into uh, with another team to have my own um, my own team and run my own team. So that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a benefit or a positive uh, outcome as well. Absolutely. Uh, Rick, this is this has been a blast. Great talking to you uh, about what the Bulls' next steps are coming off after a, a really uh, disappointing uh, playoff series against Milwaukee. Uh, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? And uh, this is the last quick question. Uh, like, kind of just rate your confidence on how good you feel about this team going into the offseason with the moves that you you know know that they have to make. 
Um, it depends. I guess it depends on what what level we're talking about. Like, hmm. if it's hey, they're going to improve a little bit. They may it may not make that much of a tangible difference, but they'll be better. Hmm. Um, I feel pretty decent about that. I, I feel pretty confident. But in terms of like, hey, they're going to make a move that's going to make them a top four team in the East. I'm not as confident in that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Arturos Karnaschovas has surprised us, but with the Bulls being out a couple picks and, yeah, having that Portland pick, but, you know, not really able to trade much of anything else and, until, you know, quite a ways down the road, at least before draft night, I think it's going to be, I think people are generally like the, the vast of uh, Bulls of Bulls Nation is going to be disappointed because I think the, you know, all three guys are going to be back and it's like, uh, Carter Shova said to me much more around the margins, improving the role players. And that's pretty much going to be it, which is good. They need that. So they, I think they will be a better team. However, I don't think they're going to be making any huge move. That's going to move them into the upper echelon of the East or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, after me, just kind of, you know, raining on everybody's parade a little bit <laughs> like the last, <laughs> last, like however long we've been doing this, uh, follow me on Twitter at Rick C camp. Uh, for uh, been doing Bulls post game on the score, so when games happen again, uh, feel free to tune in there. Hopefully, I'll still be doing that at that point. Uh, I do written work over at Four for Four. Uh, we do a lot of stuff there in terms of player props. We've got our Discord where we're always adding more plays. Like I had, I may have had Bucks minus two and a half games when that opened at even money, which seemed kind of crazy to me. So I had that and had uh, the Warriors minus two and a half games in the first round series against Denver. And that one was pretty profitable as well. So I've been doing pretty well uh, over there doing that. Some of my pieces are popping up on NBA.com mm-hmm. under the NBA bet tab as well. So between those two things and the I'm fat podcast with uh, my guy, Jay Zawoski, I'm keeping myself pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, you're swamped, but you're doing, you're doing really high quality work. Uh do you have any Thank prediction? You. Do you have any like predictions or prop bets for this upcoming second round of the NBA uh, playoffs? So I've bet. Let me hold on. Let me flip back my page here to look at what I bet. I bet Boston minus one and a half games. That was plus money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think just with not having Middleton is so key for for Milwaukee that I just really I trust Boston in that regard. And actually, the juice on Phoenix minus one and a half games. So basically, one and a half games means wins in six or fewer games okay so we have to win by at least two games so uh phoenix to do that was minus 120 which isn't too bad 120 is kind of the limit of how much juice i'll ever lay i have a lower resistance for that but Mm. and then one thing that i did for a little bit smaller uh was was parlay the two parlay boston minus one and a half games with phoenix one and a half games and that pays out plus two to 288 so Mm -hmm. give finding ways to give yourself a little bit of extra value is something that i like to try and find and just be unique about it because as as i've learned in my time uh, especially beginning nba batting it's it's all about how you bet things how you bet what your thought is and finding the most uh advantageous way to do that yeah i think both of those are pretty solid though i mean we were talking earlier like uh about the boston milwaukee series and like boston and six to me seems to uh, made the most sense, but I, I wouldn't be shocked though if Milwaukee can push it to seven or even take the series. But if Giannis plays at that level that he's shown he's capable of, yeah, if he goes supernova, like it, yeah. it's a hundred percent on the table. That's why the minus one and a half is plus money. Mm. If it was like let's say 
minus 112 instead of plus 112, I'm probably not betting it. Yeah. But it's and that's always the thing too is finding finding your personal limits. Like for me, that'd be a plus. It's at plus 112. So anything up to like minus 105. I'm betting Buck or I'm betting Celtics minus one and a half games. And then I just don't think Luca, I don't think everything else around Luca can make up for the fact that he's probably going to have my uh, Mikhail Bridges on him all, all series to the point where I just think Phoenix is that good. And they face a, a really tough individual matchup for them against new Orleans in round one. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're not being valued as much as they should be in the market. Yeah. Right, especially you didn't have Devin Booker for like half that series. Like, yeah. he, came, he came back the last game, but he was, you know, his first game back from the little layoff. So, definitely, I think the most intriguing series for me, it might be that Warriors Grizzlies, simply because like you don't know what the Grizzlies will do. That they're kind of that that first round with the Wolves was so like maddening because. Like you see how talented both teams are, but like both teams are so making a lot of dumb mistakes out yeah. there. And I, I'm intrigued, like against the Warriors, dumb mistakes like a, with the against a veteran team like that probably are going to end up killing you. But at the same time, it's like, man, what what if you see this talent just like Ja, Bane, JJJ? Um, I think they'll probably be able to use. Uh, Steven Adams a bit more in this against the Warriors than they did against uh, a team like the Wolves because of Cat could obviously step out in the perimeter. It is tougher for a guy like Steven Adams to defend on the perimeter. But against the teams like the Warriors, where if you're playing Draymond at center, Draymond's not really an outside threat in general. He's not a guy that looks to shoot the ball much anymore. So I think Steven Adams, as far as his defensive impact and the things that he brings, you probably be able to utilize a little bit more. So mm-hmm. yeah, that series, that series, I could like, I could see that going five, or I could see that going seven. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how close Minnesota was to actually beating uh, the Grizzlies. Though, like they had leads in the fourth, like double digit right. leads in those games. They could, it, they were not far off from winning those. It's just, it's just maddening. Like yeah, like you mentioned. They're two young teams, and this is not really work out for them. But they still have a lot of potential going forward. But yeah, we have a bunch of really good uh, uh, second round playoff series to look forward to. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to watch this, and then just as the playoffs keep going on, and you know, like player props are generally my thing. So really seeing how these teams play each other, get these games want game ones out of the way, so that way can really kind of drill down on okay, who's guarding who, who's getting enough attention, whose minutes are mm-hmm. up or down a little bit more, and just really being able to try and profit off of that is uh, is that, I mean, that's kind of what I'm here for. So I, I, I love getting, it's my way to get down into the, the nitty gritty of matchups and find a way to, to like, you know, be able to pay attention to it and make a little money off of it too. That never hurts. Did you already make a bet on a, on who would win it all? I didn't because I think it's Phoenix and I just don't Mm. know where I'm trying to find a good entry point, but you know, there just hasn't been a whole lot of value on Phoenix for quite a while. Like I I still think they're the best team. I really do. So, you know, they've just been, they've been lined light. I missed the boat on uh, early in the year when there was a better chance of that for finding value. Uh, Yeah. The East will be interesting. I think, 
Like, I guess, like, I don't know how much longer Middleton is out. Is he, is he supposed to be able to come back this series, like, at some point? Isn't he out for this series? I'm yeah, not he's sure. out for this series. Yeah. Oh, as well. Okay, so, yeah, that, that definitely makes it a lot more realistic that the Celtics would win the series. Even I mean, even with Middleton, it would be – the Celtics are really good, so they could have really definitely steal, stole that series from the Bucks even at full strength. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that guy that roots for Jimmy again in the East. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm Team Jimmy. I always love Jimmy yeah. Butler. So hey, he's having a hell playoff so far. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm hoping that if if Miami can get to another Finals, I can start acting like you know an idiot online again. <laughs> gonna start listening to country music and telling everybody he's from Tom Ball, Texas, too, and all that. Hell yeah. <laughs> just just like play into play into his whatever you want to call his persona. Hell yeah, man. I I love it, man. I he's I know he has his warts and the things that he does. Like I know that, that whole situation with uh Spo and at the sideline and stuff. It's just like like come on, Jimmy, what are you doing? But it's I don't know, man. I've I've always I always like it I always feel guys like him and like Noah who are just People didn't expect to be great, you know. Just guys that do like the work hard, do the nitty gritty things in a sense. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Jimmy became more of a star than Joakim did. But I always, for whatever reason, or another, I always love those guys more than you know your actual number one superstar players. Man, brings back some memories, doesn't it? <laughs> it does it? Does <laughs> oh man, well. Uh, that wraps up today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can catch our past shows wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, on uh, Apple, right here on the Barroom Network. And as always, you can catch us uh, right, well, of course, right here on the Barroom Network. So, or for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Shuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.